We'll now get straight to our agenda. The first item uh, um, on our agenda today is uh, a law enforcement reform panel. We're honored this morning to welcome legislators from both the House and the Senate to discuss law enforcement reform efforts. Excuse me. Conway Mayor Barbara Blaine Bellamy will moderate a discussion between Senator Shane Massey, Representative Chandra Dillard, and Representative Tommy Pope, and also Representative Chris Wooten. Mayor Bellamy, the floor is yours, and gentlemen, come on up. And I'm sorry, Chandra, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Speaker Pro Tem chair. That's why they do that. <laughs> um, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. If Todd shows up, we'll let him have it. Good morning. I am Barbara Blaine Bellamy, mayor of the must-see other than Highway 501, Conway, <laughs> South Carolina. It's really a beautiful city. We're delighted to be here this morning with this important panel. And it's my pleasure to introduce first Senator Shane Massey. Senator Massey represents District 25 in the South Carolina Senate, which includes Aiken, Edgefield, Lexington, McCormick, and Saluda counties. He also serves as the Senate Majority Leader and the Chairman of the Senate Rules Committee. Um, help me in welcoming him. Also with us is Representative Chandra Dillard. Representative Dillard represents District 23 in the South Carolina House of Representatives, which covers a portion of Greenville County. She currently serves on the House Ways and Means Committee and is the Director of Community Relations at Furman University. Representative Dillard, welcome. <laughs> Representative Tommy Pope is a representative of District 47 in the South Carolina House of Representatives, which covers York County. He serves as the Speaker Pro Tem of the South Carolina House of Representatives and is an attorney at Elrod Pope Law Firm in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Welcome. And our last uh, representative is Chris Wooten. Representative Chris Wooten represents District 69, which covers Lexington County. He currently serves on the House Labor, Commerce, and Industry Committee, as well as the Legislative Oversight Committee. Welcome. We've got a wonderful panel here, and we want you to relax and um, just help us to understand where we are relative to what is really important to all of us, which is reform in law enforcement. Um, I'll ask some questions, and in no particular order, feel free to just respond, and I'll try to make certain that everybody gets a chance to speak. Multiple law enforcement reform bills were introduced in the House and Senate during the 2021 legislative session. Why was law enforcement reform such an important topic within the General Assembly? Well, I'll hop in. Um, so uh, over the years, uh, I'm an old trooper. I was a military police officer in the Marine Corps. Uh, just my passion going into the state house was to take care of the folks taking care of us every day. Knowing that we, if we had, uh, we can have great schools, uh, we can have great roads, not yet. We can have, um, we can have all the things that surround us, but if we're not safe in our communities, none of that stuff matters. So bringing that passion to the, to the state house, 
uh, and having a lot of old friends that have reached out to me in law enforcement and just said, you know, we're, we're sucking wind. You know, we've got, um, we're down 30% uh, of our uh, capacity of law enforcement, as most of you all know, in the state of South Carolina. So there was, there was a time when, you know, if you drove to Columbia, I'm an old Greer boy, but if I drove to Columbia, you didn't, you come through Newberry or Clinton, you, you slow down every time, right? Well, now you can go from Greenville to Myrtle Beach and not even see a trooper on the road. You know, I was a trooper in 91. Uh, I came on and we had 1,100 troopers working the road. Well, now there's less than 800 troopers total throughout the state. That's admin and troopers working the road. And so we look at why our crime rates and our accident rates, our DUIs, everything going sky high is because we don't have the people to enforce those laws. Saying all that to say, uh, collaborated with folks that, that have been like-minded. Um, we have a, 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 a little caucus, or you could call it a club if you're in college, <laughs> little caucus at the State House for First Responders and uh, Representative Pope and some other folks that have uh, law enforcement background. We got together and discussed the things that really concerned us. And, and what we found was it wasn't just the, you know, in, in, in light of the Floyd issue, and what sparked the equity and diversity or equity uh, house equitable justice committee uh, before that we realized that it wasn't just the communities that were crying out and asking for things it was actually law enforcement officers that were crying out asking for those same things for better training for better accountability for us to step up and and take better care of them so saying all that to say as as a long story gets longer because we could go all day just on that that um, I feel that, that with the like-mindedness of the folks at the State House, we'll really see something happen, especially in the Senate this year, um, since they have our bill now. <laughs> um, but I, I just want folks to know that it's not just the, the communities that are crying out, it's our, our officers, and, and we see that uh, every day. Wonderful. Does anybody else want to chime in on that? Question. I will say, you know, initially, if, if you'd asked the audience, they would have said, you know, because of the Floyd issue and the concern about law enforcement, and, and as, as you know that hired local law enforcement, it's harder and harder to hire. Going both directions. The, in the old days, you know, we were taught as children to, to respect law enforcement, and now you're kind of taught to fear law enforcement. So there's some psychological aspects. And so what I liked about serving on the committee when it came to, because I know you wouldn't believe this, but the legislature is notorious for chasing whatever's in the media at a given time. I know you wouldn't think that'd be the case. But when it first came about, the thing that I enjoyed about the committee, it wasn't all just law enforcement is evil, you know, we've got to, you know, get rid of chokeholds, we've got to do this. It was also about, as Chris said, more training, more support, more funding, all of those things. Now, as usual, anytime you manage something, if you've been on a church committee, you know how that works. Anytime you manage something by committee, it doesn't come out as clean as we want. So there were things in Chris's initial bill that didn't make it over to the Senate. But uh, again, I think we're recognizing, and the same thing's happening with teachers, you know, and retention issues. We've got to change the quality of life and the training for law enforcement uh, if we're gonna be safe in our communities. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, can I add, to add that too? I'll, I'll say this, you know, that when we give it this overall, I guess you've got to give it some kind of a title, but the overall title when we talk about law enforcement reform, I think is a little bit of a misnomer because that suggests that there are lots of things within law enforcement that we need to change. In fact, and I think it's important for people to understand this, that many of the things that you've seen happening across the country as far as changes with law enforcement are things that South Carolina implemented well before 
um, a lot of the national issues came about. In fact, I'll tell you this, some, some of you may know this, many of you may not realize this, the last speech that Clemente Pinckney gave in the Senate um, was one in support of body cameras. And, um, you know, Senator Pinckney didn't speak a whole lot on the floor, but when he did, he was one of those guys that people listened to. Everybody enjoyed listening to him anyway. If you remember his voice, his big booming, he was clearly a preacher, right? And so when, when Clemente would come to the podium, people would stop whatever they were doing and they would listen. Um, and he was persuasive on that point. And so the legislature actually passed legislation for body cameras um, before the big national conversation was going on. And that was largely um, in response to the persuasiveness and the speeches that Senator Pinckney gave on that. We did a number of those changes before it became, it became a big national issue. And so now I think what you're seeing, if you look at the legislation that's pending, there are some things that we need to improve. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We, we've got some areas that we need to improve. But one of the deficiencies that we, we learned about um, was that we need to provide more training opportunities for our law enforcement. We need to make them more professional. Um, this is something that they're asking for. I mean, they, look, the world in which we live is different. The world in which they live is very different. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that they're getting consistent, up-to-date training so they can handle whatever situations that they come into. We need to help them interact with the community in a better way. Because I think that's especially important as well. Um, and we need to have consistent policies around the state. There are changes that we need to make, but it's not because we've got a lot of bad actors. In fact, Chris will probably tell you, nobody wants to get rid of a bad cop more than the good cops. Right? Um, and, and I think we've, we've seen that. I'm also, I'm very appreciative that SLED has been very aggressive in going after law enforcement officers who've done things that they shouldn't be doing. I think that's a good thing. Um, so I think it's important for people to understand that. South Carolina was actually on the, on the, on the cutting edge of some of the reforms that were made several years ago. Um, but we've, we've learned from that experience and from conversations with the community and with law enforcement officers that there are things that we need to do to try to help make them more professional, to give them more training opportunities so they'll be prepared when they're interacting with the community. I think our society is changing around us at all times. And when you consider that a police officer is at singly the most revered uh, responder yeah. and the most hated at the same time. And mm -hmm. to be able to respond appropriately to those situations produces a need to, to be prepared and to be trained. And, There's and, no question and, about it. Um, with that, though, and we talked about timing. You know, the, most of the thing, I introduced House Bill 3050, which was known as the PACT Act. And the, the PACT was police and communities together. So bringing all that together from what we'd heard. But most of the things that came through that was actually from a 2017 report from, uh, CAPS report from Nikki Haley's office and that I received from the Sheriff's Association and uh, Chief's Association that mentioned all these things. So that's, you know, four or five years prior, four years prior to all this other stuff going on that law enforcement and the community had already been asking for. So that's, that's the reason I say, you know, prior to, to everything going on, we were already, South Carolina was already pushing for that. I think it's comforting, and I'm going to let Chandra get a word in edgewise before we get through, but I think it's comforting that when we started this process, law enforcement didn't run from it. They ran to it, and they embraced it as, as ways to, to make themselves better. The other thing I see, and it's, it's based on my history as a solicitor and, and, and now being down here, uh, the thing, the, the, the localities that it could help most in large part 
uh, would be your smaller jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. As you know, you sometimes you can't spend a competitive salary that the sheriff's office could or SLED could. And so oftentimes you're getting guys that maybe not necessarily rejected, but were not the first choice of another agency. And so that makes it difficult as you try to manage your own local law enforcement uh, training, standardization, all those things are, are much more important probably to you than even some of the larger agencies. Mm -hmm. yes. And I, I'll just add to the conversation that, you know, we don't want to overlook what happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all of those folks um, in those other states. Uh, and know while we might not have been reactive to that, it certainly was saying to us well, maybe it's time to come back together from a holistic approach. And I think we've got a question or two about how we went about crafting this bill, who we heard from. And we heard from a lot of stakeholders uh, for the first time. You know, it just wasn't a one-off uh, looking <clears throat> at a bill um, to address some of the issues that the House bill addresses. Also, we know, know that we were trying to get across the bow a hate crime bill. South Carolina was one, one out of three states. I don't know where we are now. <laughs> you know, there was a race not to be at the bottom of a hate crime bill. And it took a lot of collaboration. And again, that didn't co really come from the committee. There was work ahead of the committee, but coming from a holistic approach uh, always uh, helps our work, on, at least on the House side. And so we were able to do that, and the House did pass a hate crime bill this year, and it's over in the Senate as well <laughs> with the other bills. So I don't want us to leave out uh, our desire to be responsive to the community because our communities are asking more of law enforcement. They're asking about transparency. I think the most impactful thing about of all the speakers that we heard from was a 20-something-year-old citizen from Charleston he said, I'm nervous, African-American man, I'm nervous when I leave Charleston County and I have to drive through other parts of South Carolina. I want consistency. I want to know if I'm pulled over what I can expect in Horry County, in Greenville County, in Calhoun County. So, um, we you know, our citizens deserve that. Law enforcement is to serve and protect and working together, hopefully we can uh, protect both our officers and our communities. Thank you so much. We have um, several other questions. We're going to try to to move right along. <laughs> <laughs> Got some politicians on the podium this morning. We'll talk if you let us. I know. I'll figure that out. <laughs> South Carolina Senate first introduced the South Carolina Leads Act in 2020, refiled in 2021. The act intends to enhance law enforcement accountability transparency mm -hmm. and professional standards and strengthen trust in South Carolina. House Speaker Jay Lucas formed the House Equitable Justice Systems and Law Enforcement Reform Committee, a bipartisan group of lawmakers tasked with improving law enforcement policies in the state. House Bill 3050, which creates minimum standards for police agencies, passed the House in the 2021 session and was a result of work done by the law enforcement officer training tactic standards and accountability, accountability subcommittee. Um, say a little bit about what you want to see in this thing we call police reform and um, attach to that any stakeholders that you, 
know to have been involved in creating these police reform bills? Well, I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> while you can? Yeah, while I can. <laughs> um, as I said earlier, just to continue the thought that, that I was sharing with you, we heard from everybody um, when on this task force. We heard from solicitors. We heard from professionals uh, from our higher institutions who study criminal justice. We heard from the Law Enforcement Council. Uh, we heard from citizens, uh, activist groups. Uh, who, who didn't we hear from? We heard from hmm. sheriffs. Uh, we heard from police chiefs. So it was very inclusive, as I said. And the bill that you're referencing really takes into uh, affect a lot of what we heard through all of those different parties. And so, uh, again, a very comprehensive uh, bill to address law enforcement. And what I'd like to see, again, is the transparency, uh, the dependability. Again, uh, if you're driving from one part of South Carolina to the next, that people are treated fairly and equitably. Uh, more training for our law enforcement officers and I do believe that they need to know what their standards are. And a lot of people get hung up on the word minimum, but I think that we could replace that by saying this is the baseline because all of the communities that you represent are different. But if we can just get a baseline of support, not minimum, so just replace that word because that's often used negatively in, in, in especially in state government hmm. sometimes, but that's the baseline. So if we could get that standard across all communities, then we have advanced law enforcement for the officer and for the community. And that's what part of this bill does. The original bill, the PACT Act, had about 10 or 11 things in there. Some of those were budget items that obviously are in ways and means or, or you know, takes a little longer to get through. We actually, um, we're able to attach some of it, some of the uh, items to another bill. We amended, Dennis Moss had a bill for uh, not letting a uh, officer ride by himself unless he was certified. Because most of you know this, but just in case, uh, several years ago we had a problem with getting folks through the academy fast sure. enough. So there was a backlog. So they agreed to let officers, quali you qualify with a pistol and you can go drive a car. And you, can, and you can stop people and, and be a police officer. Well, that's about as asinine as anything I've ever heard in my life, but that's what had to be done at the time, I guess. Well, now we don't have that backlog. Uh, Chief Swindler, you know, within two to three weeks, if you've heard any different in your community, I promise you, you call me and I will get you in front of Chief Swindler because he's promised me if you have an officer that wants to go to the academy, he can get him there within two to three weeks. Uh, your, your town may be holding that up. So just throwing that at you that Chief Swindler said to make sure I put that in there for him. So um, we can get, we can get, that, get that process moving. With that being said, um, the, one of those issues was letting, a, a certified, letting an officer drive by himself or, or police by himself without being certified. So part of that is you have to be a certified officer now to ride alone. You can still ride in a car with a certified officer and be back up or, you know, even the reserve deputies can do that. Uh, another part of that was, um, yeah, other, like I said, other than the budget items, was to create that baseline standard that Chandra talked about. Because officers, all officers go through the academy and everything's taught the same. But when you come back home, 
it's not the same. Every agency can have a different policy. You can have a different pursuit policy. You, you know, in Columbia, you can maybe, I don't know exactly the policy, but you can maybe chase cars as fast as you want to, but you go over to Lexington and you can't have but one car, you know, one car in pursuit or whatever. So we wanted to create those standards that if you could not adhere to these standards, and if you couldn't properly equip your people, then you don't need to have an agency. Because we found out just last year uh, Representative Mike Kasky and I over in Lexington as well put together a, a breakfast just honoring our first responders every year. It's called our Heroes Breakfast. We dedicate money, we raise money for that and give it out to our first responders every year. This year I talked to Chief, Chief Terrence Green, my chief, and said, what are, you know, what are we looking for money-wise? He said, I, you know what's surprising is a lot of people don't even have vests. I went, what? 1991, I was a trooper. We had vests. There's agencies, there's over 500 officers in the state of South Carolina, certified Class 1 officers, that don't even have a bulletproof vest right now. So Micah and I raised about 30 grand, put about 60 vests on the street locally. But we went to the General Assembly, took that to, uh, took that to the governor's office, took that to, to the uh, Chairman of Ways and Means. And hopefully this year, part of that is to, to put a million dollars aside to get every officer on the street, at least in a bulletproof vest. That, a lot of that comes from your towns. Your, the federal government gives 50% of that, but a lot of the towns haven't found that to be the priority to have an officer. If you, I mean, we can have all the body cameras we want. But you can see where the bullet's coming from, but if you can't stop it, it's not real good. So with that being said, obviously, we want to um, put that on the forefront, make sure everybody's equipped with the proper equipment. And if you can't, if you can't equip your officers, then we need to look at uh, another approach. I tell you, that's one of the problems, too, in, in the, the legislative process, I guess, for lack of a better term. We've got this big bill that the, the things that were stripped off of it, you know, when it came over to the Senate, we, we stripped them off before they got there, uh, were the financial aspects. I know you and your small towns have never heard of unfunded mandates. That never bothers y'all at all, right? Uh, but that is, that is a key using just something simple. If it, you know, my fear is when we pass the rule that every officer must have a vest or they can't patrol, which is a good safety point. But then telling you, you know, you didn't know you had, you already made your budget, you didn't know you had it. So I think we've got to recognize the ability to fund these things and fund these things in an ongoing nature. Same thing with the academy. I want our academy to be premier. Um, but, you know, so I want your guys to get training. But I was excited to hear the two-week thing. I'd never heard that one before. <laughs> he might have waited after we got the budget because maybe he doesn't need money now. But uh, um, I think that's important for you guys. Uh, you know, whether it's, we did pass body cameras early on, but in legislative fashion, we passed it without the funding, you know, and set it up that you must have them when the money comes. And so um, this is going to be an interesting budget year anyway. I think what happens, though, is is the the funding aspect, you know, whether it's law enforcement salaries, school teacher salaries, all these things, sometimes falls to the side. And we, as legislators, just have to be careful. We pass a reform bill for law enforcement and kind of, you know, have a press conference, but we really didn't give you the, the, the actual meat of what we need to do to get it done. I know our city was adversely affected by the backlog at the academy, and I'm, I'm so hopeful that we are down to a two She was over here texting as you were <laughs> saying that to the office. Do I need to FaceTime Chief Swindler real yeah. quick? Yeah. Uh, I trust what I, said. I will call if it's not true. Yeah. Absolutely will. And, and a lot of, just so you know that, you know, over 60%, um, and I can't remember the exact number, but most of our agencies are 10 officers or less. Tommy, what was that again? It was it's, low. It's low. Know. I mean, yeah, sure. it was uh, 60 to 70% of, of our agencies in South Carolina have less than 10 officers. 
And that means with your less than 10 officers, that means you don't have a, a city of Columbia budget or a, a town or, you know, a county budget like Lexington County. So those are things that we really got to address going Absolutely. forward. Not everybody's got that Conway money. That's right. Well, I was about to say. You're going to put a toll we have a, We have a few more than 10, but, uh, but I, I don't think that that's widely known, that so many departments are, are that small. When right. there's underlying yeah. politics, too, you know, because you, you got to have an ego to be in law enforcement. I'm telling you, I come from a law enforcement family, but, but the smaller uh, towns, their citizens think they need a local agency you know for whatever reason you know i want the york police i want the clover mm -hmm. police and so uh, you know i know my york and clover folks here they're spending a lot of money that arguably you know and and overall cost the sheriff's office for example may be able to absorb it and, and as a prosecutor i tell you the problem you run into a lot of times jurisdictional lines i mean even something is was this guy arrested when we we're chasing him in the county or the city and who arrested him and I mean, it can result in, you know, losing evidence, for example. So I, I think that's something that as we move forward, people should explore. But it's always according to who your sheriff is and what kind of relationship you got yeah. this four years, you mm -hmm. know. So. Yeah. I'm sure some of our listeners are anxious to hear about whether or not law enforcement reform remains a priority. What do you foresee happening concerning law enforcement reform during this year's session? Because that's on me, right? So yeah. I've already dealt with it. Um, I, I am hopeful that we're going to address it this year. I do think it's a priority. In fact, I suspect that there's going to be some subcommittee work on on the issue, maybe even this week um, in the Senate Judiciary Committee. But we, you know, we, we're we're in a good position because the House did a lot of good work on this already. They spent some time, talked with a lot of people, heard from a lot of people, and um, and passed something. So that, that's helpful. I don't think we need to reinvent the whole process. So we could take learn from what the what the house has sent over and um and maybe add some things to it maybe maybe take some things but, but take that as our as our starting point and see what we can do but i but i am hopeful that we're going to uh, address this this year on the senate side thank you representative Dillard. well i mean our bills are in the senate now <laughs> you know we we're hopeful and um you know there'll probably still be um some law enforcement bills that surface i'm sure this year um, you know, all members have great ideas, but a lot of work and time has gone into the bill that, that is now in the Senate. And so I hope that they will give that due consideration. Um, but I can't say enough about that hate crime bill. Uh, it, it does not look well of South Carolina to do business, recruit industry, say we have safe communities, to set a uh, standard for the kind of climate and culture we want in our communities by not passing that hate crime bill. And so I am, you know, if, if one had to come out before the other, that would be the one that I'd like to see because that sets the tone. Because if you're not, if you're against hate, then let's just say it and how we defined it in the bill, uh, which took a lot of time and effort modeled legislation that is the same across other states in this country so uh, but I do know that the Senate is the deliberative body and we want to give them that opportunity but I do hope that we can pass the hate crime bill this year I think the good thing about that bill is it came out traditionally I have not been supportive of a hate crime bill because as a prosecutor it was just one more thing I had to prove so if you beat me up you know 
and, and it's assault and battery with intent to kill, or you beat me up because you don't like the color of my skin, it's really the same crime. Um, what I like about this bill is it's an enhancement. If, you know, if they have it and it's clear, you can prove it, but it doesn't mm -hmm. hamstring prosecution to always tie it to race or gender or things of that nature. So uh, you're right, a lot of work was done. And you even brought an old man like me around, so that was all right. <laughs> so the base offense um, doesn't get it covered doesn't, by... Right, the exactly, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. And just really to important. follow up with the, the original question was what we see those other portions of that bill, the, the ways and means portion, we've already heard uh, through leadership and through the governor's office, even at the state of the state, that to make that funding, we've got a lot of extra money, uh, a lot of one-time money coming in. So hopefully we can fund those properly. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, our final question, uh, and there may be some from you, if time permits. I don't have a sense of how much Okay, we've got two minutes, real quickly. <laughs> How can local government leaders best work with their state delegation to implement reform policies while protecting officers and citizens and fostering transparency and accountability? Uh, in other words, what can we do? Communicate. It's all about communication. Yeah, yeah it really is. Whether it's this issue or any other, I encourage you all to actively pursue relationships with legislators. Um, I have some very good relationships with um, some of the municipalities in the district I represent. There are some that I don't have much of a relationship with. I encourage you to have good relationships with those people and have those conversations when you're not asking for something. So that when you do need to ask for something, you've got a better relationship and a better baseline to, to, to get those things. So it's all about communication. Tell us what you need. Tell us what's going on. because. Um, you shouldn't assume that we do know all those things. So but. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off just because time is out. Yep. Um, I think clearly the answer then is to develop those relationships and to foster communication mm -hmm. with your delegation. So I'm going to ask you all to help me um, congratulate this panel for the good news that they brought mm -hmm. to us this morning. <clears throat> and you may, be, you may get a chance to speak with them afterwards. Thank you so much Thank for you. being here. Thank you. Madam Mayor, you do realize legislative time is a different time than normal people time, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> I'm afraid I do. Thank you. Thank you to Conway Mayor Blaine Bellamy for um, moderating this, and thank you so much to Senator um, Massey, to Representatives Dillard, Pope, and Wooten for being with us today and sharing your observations on this very important issue to all of us. We look forward to working with you this year to pass some law enforcement um, reform during this session.